Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Pete's Dragon, directed by David Lowry and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. An orphaned little boy lives in the woods with his best friend, a dragon named Elliot, until one day humans arrive. Yes. So, um, I'm not familiar with the original of this and I found this movie. I am. I don't know. I was just kind of bored for like two thirds of this movie. Yeah. Um, it, it was nice enough and inoffensive enough, but that was kind of the problem I had with it. It was all a bit too kind of Disneyfied and perfect and there was nothing wacky or weird or interesting about it. <laughs> well, that's funny because, yeah, the, the original movie is decidedly wacky and weird. The original movie is like a drug trip of weird. The dragon is pink and green and uh, he um, is escaping from white slavers who have kidnapped him. Oh, and right. I think he's also an orphan, but he's escaping from white slavers who kidnapped him and that's how he Whoa. ends up meeting Pete and the little town. And then there's like a a woman who – and it's been a while since I saw this, so forgive me. But there's like the woman that he ends up with lost her – her husband has been at sea for a long time and she thinks he's dead and there's a lighthouse um, that she lives at. And uh, it's 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 really sig- it's like a sea town. Yeah. Um. It's really significantly different. And then there's this like snake oil tr- salesman. It's set in like the twenties, mm-hmm. and the snake oil salesman guy comes into town and finds out about the dragon and wants to kill him so that he can t- use all his parts in his snake oil business. And he has a whole song about it. Um. There's wow. a bunch of songs. There's a song by like about white. The, the slave traders, like, sing, sung by so them is about that, how they're going to kill the little boy. Is that what your and, reference was? Because you said to me at the end, the, talked about the Go North, Go North song that they sing through this movie, and yeah. that's about the white slavers? Apparently? No, I said this song is missing. You know what this movie is missing? Songs about white slavers. Right. Um, okay. But there's a there's a bunch of stuff. And then there's – but it's also got a really beautiful song in it called Candle on the Water, which is sung by the lady. Yeah, but it's it's really it's really different to this movie. Like, but but it seems like in taking out all the weird stuff, they kind of took out anything that was yeah. fun or interesting. This it's, is quite. It's up- very by the numbers. Uh-huh. I liked the des- design of the dragon. Um, mm. I thought that was cool, and uh, even though he didn't talk. <laughs> yeah, I actually liked the dragon because he was kind of clumsy looking. Like mm. he has his has his big round belly and his wings. He's got this big body and these wing his wings are not like huge in comparison to his body. So sometimes you wonder if he's gonna take off. Okay, and he's kind of he can be kind of clumsy as well. Like he sometimes he lands quite gracefully, but other times he just clunks mm. into things. Um. I think he always just clunks into the – every time he lands, it's sort of like a fumbling Flunk. landing. Yeah, he's, and I like that about him. That gave him a little bit of quirk. It did. It made it seem like maybe he was like a dragon puppy. Ah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like he was still young. Mm. Um, and, and, and and like he was also separated from his tribe and that's how they met. I think that's yeah. the implication with the movie. Um, and especially at the end when they go and reunite him with his family. Mm. Um, that, but by the way, I really liked – Really, I got mm. chills when the other dragons came up. I knew it was going to happen, but I still got chills when the other dragons came up from the cliff. I thought that was really cool. It I was, would have loved more of that. There were some really nice shots there, that, um, like beautiful um, magic hour light as the family comes over the crest of this hill to see mm-hmm. where the dragons are and he calls for his dragon. Yeah, that's that was quite pretty. I think just by that point, it was it was quite long and there were lots of long, languid, beautiful shots and yeah. I'd gotten a bit tired. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that they could have actually explored that would have been interesting uh-huh. that they didn't explore for more long shots of things. Like it was such a visual 
kind of movie. There wasn't a lot of yeah, and script. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. It was mm. very visual, and uh, it was kind of interesting. It was a strange choice to me to do that because there's like they have all these little interesting tidbits about characters and hmm. moments and things that you could almost think. I, I think maybe it's just because they weren't very good writers or something. Because there's all this kind of stuff where I was like, oh, it would be interesting to explore that more, especially with um Carl Urban's character, uh-huh. Gavin, who I didn't know was the brother of uh Wes Bentley's character for ages. Mm. Um, but uh, the, there's all this stuff. It, it seems like Gavin is actually quite a caring person. Um, he cares about his brother and he, whenever he sees Pete, he tries to protect him mm. from the dragon. Like he's, he's very protective and very caring towards Pete. He's not, and he's, I mean, he's kind of a dick about the dragon, but like, it seems like in other aspects, he's actually quite a nice guy. Yeah. Well, that, that was actually, he was kind of interesting because yeah, the, he wasn't like the big bad loggers. Like they weren't, the people cutting down the trees weren't well, they the, the fan bad, gully baddies. No, they weren't the bad guys. They're like. This is this is a town where the one industry is logging, and so they cut down trees, and that's their job. And they, and it's it's even you know the guy who's in charge of the sawmill is is engaged to Bryce Dallas Howard, who's the head ranger. So you know they kind of work together to make sure that they don't take too many trees and blah blah blah. Yeah, and then Gavin pushes that envelope a lot. Yeah, um, but the and and he does it because they need money. But the thing is, all of that stuff is like impl- It's it's really like not a focus of the movie at all and it's strange because all of that stuff could be quite interesting again like there's a lot of stuff in there that could be really interesting those family tensions and all that sort of stuff and it's all just kind of put aside for more long shots of the dragon yep and Um, and and i liked the dragon uh, but it just it it drags so Mm. much and there's all these ideas that are much more interesting than what they actually do which is just this by the numbers you know friend has uh, i mean kid has weird friend story that it's lilo yeah. and stitch and it's um the yeah, di- good do, dinosaur but, and but lilo and stitch has that one all that wonderful stuff with the sister and the family and the worry about being taken away by child services and stuff and even in this movie that's kind of lightly glossed over yeah it is like it um and but yeah i think because i'm so verbal as well the fact there's so much time spent without lots of um, talking in the storytelling was quite hard. I, I understand why they do it because for kids it's good and also the these writers are not good. <laughs> um, oh God, just some of the dialogue. Very um, trite. Yeah, like Carl Urban shouts with all his might, follow that dragon! And he does. He gives it all he's got and it's funny but like there are some bits like Robert Redford gives a speech about when he saw the dragon and it is one of the like it was a such a paint by number speech. It was not well delivered, so it's partly the actor's fault, but it's partly the speech itself. It was written as though it was written for a book and not like a story he's telling his daughter. It's it's like he's memorized this speech and he's just reciting it. But the scene is supposed to be about him having never told anyone the true story of him meeting the dragon before and there's no hesitation there's no it's all perfectly polished and he knows you know he's got the perfect metaphor to describe it just didn't make sense in the context but there's also weird things like um he starts out by telling about how he fought the dragon Mm. but then apparently the dragon and him had a nice moment so you're like well why did you tell all these kids about fighting the dragon is it just so that they're entertained it seemed like there was a through line about the importance of believing in mm. people that was kind of also not explored properly. Mm. Yeah, well, they they did start to go down that route of of Bryce Dallas Howard's character being the skeptic, which is well, why is it always women who've got to be like the skeptic and the fun police and the and the I'm not going to believe it unless I actually see it. Anyway, that's beside the point. They just start to go down that that route with her, 
and like her being the skeptic and her dad being a bit of a dreamer and the the kids because they're children and they haven't grown up yet so they've still got the magic inside them. I don't think she is that much of a skeptic. I think that's just her dad projecting. Mm. Um to be honest because she isn't in the the movie doesn't present her as a skeptic. It, well, it does, but only in the sense that she's pragmatic, not mm. that she's belligerent and about it's only it. the dad that does it then that goes away after that i think that's i think that's more of a dad and daughter problem where he's been telling this story about the dragon and he keeps changing it so why would she believe him anyway mm. um and and he she won't believe him so he thinks of her as being bullheaded and skeptical but when she actually is presented with this series of events she doesn't say to elliot oh the dragon's not real she doesn't do i mean to elliot i keep calling him kid yeah elliot. i would think the, um, kid, the kid looks like because he's a modern looking kid which is another thing this seems to be set in the 80s but he's a very modern looking kid so he'd be the kind of kid who would be called elliot as opposed to pete which um, is not he's not at all a pete yeah the little girl says you look like a pete and you're like mm, no. no um but um pete uh she doesn't say to pete the dragon's not real. Mm. She just listens and she's, you know, then she listens to other people and stuff. Mm. It seems like um, Captain Useless, her boyfriend, is more of the uh, skeptic, but he is just, what is he there for? They, they could just take him out of this movie entirely they and could, it would be fine. He could have been the Carl, they could have put Carl Urban's character into that role and it would have been better. Yeah. Because there would have been a bit of conflict. Yeah. It, there was no reason for Wes Bentley to be in this movie at all. Mm. There's a re- also a really strong s- sort of uh, um, traditional gender role line through this movie. Like they, they was it was almost like they were trying not to do it, but they kept falling into it. Mm. Um, what with because uh, Una Lawrence's character was really great. Yeah, that kid is just gonna. She's, she's gonna win an so Oscar by the time good. she's twenty. Yeah, um, she's she's so good. And uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character was really, you know, sweet, but also I felt like she was very real. Like she's trying to connect with these people, and sometimes it doesn't go the way she wants it mm. to. And she's, um, again, I feel like Bryce Dallas Howard is is put in this role that's not well written, but she's trying to give it yeah, everything she seems she's to got. Be doing her best. She's got a lot of, like, the role is quite a nurturing one. Like she's got to be quite. Um, she's like somebody who nurtures the earth and the, these kids that she's got under her care. And I think she actually does that really well. Like, I, I know this is, I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but she's really good at playing the mum. Mm. And she's got, she's got a really, well, I mean, she's got nothing warm, wrong with playing a mother. No, no, there isn't. But she's got, well, I, I know, but coming off her character in, in Jurassic World, yeah. this might be something that was wrong with one of the, one of the things that's wrong with that movie. But she's really good at that. She's got, she's really nurturing. She's got a really friendly, warm, like she's got a round face that's friendly and warm and she's kind of huggy and stuff like that. I, it, it suits her to play that role. I also think that in, I like that in this movie they she was so practically dressed. Yeah, or, I really like in liked sneakers it. or her her ranger outfit or boots and things. Yes. Yeah, and even when they go to the dragons at the end, she's wearing a warm hat and stuff. Everyone's got jackets on and things yeah. like that. Yeah, it, it was very um like and but the thing is you've got all that stuff, but then the gender roles are like are so kind of set in stone. There's no women working at that mill. At all, not mm. even in like admin. There's yep. no women, and all of the nurses and doctors at the hospital are women. Like yeah. everyone doing the caring, which I, I guess all the doctors are women as well as all the nurses. But you know, um, it's it was very, um, it, it was a little bit odd. I mean, I get and, and the the 80s setting thing that I talked about before. They they think I think we think it's set in the 80s. All the clues point to it being set in the 80s. There's no mobile phones. Everyone's got the the old fashioned cord dial telephones. The cars are from the eighties. The but they don't. They never say like it. Like yeah, they don't. They look like they could be dressed in clothes that people would wear now. But yeah, well, like, yeah, most of them are in just like jeans and plaid shirts. It's not. 
it's not. No, but even yeah. the women are not like Bryce Dallas Howard's hair is not eighties hair. No, it's not like there's anything in there that the nurses' uniforms even like, are kind of old fashioned. That's the only bit that even it's looks really like that. strange. But um, not, the kids all look modern as well. Like the yeah. way even the when there's like a group of kids and stuff like that. Like yeah, just exactly. The, the, the fact that they let a little boy run around with hair like that is very modern. Um, probably wouldn't have happened. Oh well, in no, the but 80s. they cut his hair in the end of the in movie, the end, which disappointed yeah. me a bit. It, yeah, it was quite. Um, I don't know. I, I was found it really frustrating to figure out what the setting of this movie was because yeah. there, there seems to be this thing at the moment where they're making like sci-fi and fantasy and stuff that's set in the eighties, so that they don't have to worry about satellite pictures and GPS and, GPS and mobile phones. Mm. But at the same time, you know that that means that they're not trying hard enough to make things magical now for me. Mm. And there is like. Um, I I understand the nostalgia. Like there are some really good. There, there obviously there's a lot of really good live action family films from the eighties. We some of our favourites among them. And what there's a modern remake from probably God five or six more years ago now called Super Eight, which is J J Abrams trying to recreate that eighties. Like, well, it's not a remake of anything. No, it's 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 an original film, but it kind of harks back to that era. Yeah. And it, but it that is an original. See, of that- my favourite films like i love that movie i do too but that's yeah. see that's different to me because it's an original film yeah that's tr- that's like about what it felt like for him to be a kid in the 80s yeah. rather than and this is the problem that i also have with stranger things which we were talking about before for me stranger things is really derivative and i know everybody keeps going on about how original it is and i'm like but i saw that i saw that movie i saw et i saw the goonies i saw stand by me i watched breakfast club i have seen all these movies f- 20 times like these are all movies that i love so when i'm watching this movie i'm like oh yeah that's the stand by me moment mm, a- you know and i'm not feeling like yeah it's not giving me that much that's new and it also has some really big sexism problems yeah that I've okay liked, so but- i haven't seen stranger things but i do i understand what it's about but this one even like it seems to be set in the 80s but it's not even doing any of that callback to the some of the those sort of classic kids movie canon stuff from the eighties. It's not even. It's not doesn't even have any good references to those kind of movies. It doesn't. It doesn't have any references at all. This movie is so self-contained. It it exists almost entirely in this world of like forest people, <laughs> like the music mm. and the. I mean, it is actually really, really beautifully shot. By the way, like oh my god, just gorgeous. But um, the music and the the way it's shot and the like folksiness of the entire thing is so ingrained in it but it's so so it only happens over about two days the whole thing you know it's so like it's such a tiny world that they've created and it's supposed to be magical and magic is supposed to make you think and be imaginative and creative and stuff but this movie seemed like it was trying to be very small and contained um which sometimes worked for it i actually think the last sort of third of the movie was quite fun and good. Um, and there were some things that I really liked when Elliot was trying to adjust to like living in the house mm. um, and how the family kind of adjust uh, helped him with that and stuff that I really, I actually enjoyed yeah. watching that because of my background. I enjoy these things where they look at kids who are, you know, and, and that's what I enjoyed when we watched the room as well. Uh, yeah. And it's one of the good, it's one of the parts of the appeal of things like the jungle book. It, it allows us to question our sort of everyday habits in, through the eyes of somebody who hasn't lived around other humans for a while. Yeah. And that's good. That stuff was good too. Again, just something else that the movie long. could have in, uh, have investigated a little yeah, bit. Or, or given us a bit of a funny scene about, I don't feel like I laughed until like 
we're into that last third from where they catch Elliot out in the mm. forest and then take him back to town and then the kids and their grandpa run off with him and they then they chase the, for that bit that gets finally gets exciting but mm. I also didn't laugh until that point mm. there's a bit where the policemen are in the car and they just have a silly thing on the radio there's no comic relief yeah even and it's it's just quite yeah no references no comic relief nothing quirky it's so it's bland it is quite bland there's a bit I liked the bit with the balloon. Oh, in the, in the um, hospital, yeah. But there's a bit also, remember when we saw um, Paddington? Yes. And there's this bit with like a, there's a cars and stuff and there's a car sequence in this that reminded me of that movie as well. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that like it just kind of, it's so, you know, the sequence where he like goes onto the bus and then he cl- oh, yeah, cl- runs over the, the car and bus. stuff. Yeah. That was really strange. You, and then, the, but then the town doesn't, interact with Elliot all that much. No. Um, and then, like, Carl Urban felt like he was in a different movie half the time. Mm. Like, it, he really, like, the the number of interactions that he has with, like, Pete is quite small. There's not a whole lot of interaction. He He's off, you know, chasing Elliot. Even with his own family. Like, he's not a lot of interaction with his own brother with his that brother. I had no idea was his and, brother for ages. And the and it means the scene at the end where he saves or he tries to save them has no emotional weight because there's no establishment of the relationship between the two brothers. We just come in and they're kind of at each other a bit. Yeah, a little bit, but not a lot. Like, and just but even, of- it, but it's even that, it's not really like, it's just a thing. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I, a dragon sneezed all over me. You know, but I'm that, going. Hunting. I actually liked that sequence, but um, but the Jack and Gavin relationship is so poorly set out that it seems like for a while I was like, did was he brought in? Was Gavin brought in from outside to shake up the company? Was he like, is he a subordinate of Jack? Also, seems, what is? The- <laughs> he also seems to have very little sort of feeling for his niece as well. Like, there's no relationship yeah, set up between them. You'd think. And so it seems like Jack is a single dad to his daughter, and then he's, for some reason that and we never and find Bryce out. Bryce Dallas Howard have paired up and whatever. But um, we know we never find out about that. But my theory is that his um, that her mum didn't want to live in some backwoods logging town. But then why didn't she take the kid anyway? Whatever. Um, but I'm sure she's dead. The parents are always dead in these movies. It's always convenient to have dead mothers and things. Um, no, just, but they never say she's dead. No, and there's a lot of just, talking about. How people died. So I just, yeah, figured she, I don't know. She was, but there's also this in minor environmental message that also never get, gets off the ground. No. Um, and again, and because it's so bland and so sanitized as well, there's a scene where, um, where, what's the boy's name? Pete. Pete is hunting a rabbit. It's called Pete's Dragon. You I think know. I remember. <laughs> I think I remember, but I keep wanting to call him Elliot because yeah. he looks like an Elliot. Um, but, He's hunting a rabbit and he and – Is he the, hunting it? Well, that, this is the thing. It's never said, but he's going after a rabbit. He's catching the rabbit. And so if he has lived in the forest as long as he has, he has to have killed some animals and eaten them. Like almost definitely he will have killed animals and eaten them. Mm-hmm. But because this is a kid's movie, we can't show blood. We can't show our main characters ki- killing animals. M- much like his parents' car crashes and he escapes from the car and runs away and ends up in the forest. Um but we never see him – We there's no confirmation that his parents ever die. Mm. Like, we never see him see their bodies, which is fine. It's a kid's movie. There's no he did, There's no reaction shot even of him seeing their bodies. No, there's we no, just hear him crying. But I thought that might be a problem with trying to get the tiny kid actor to cry. Yeah. Because that little kid actor was not 
very good. Yeah, and there is there is a credit tiny. for um, toddler crying as well. Yeah, yeah, he didn't look five. Like he was supposed to be five, but I was. I looked- know five year olds who look like that. I don't oh. mind that. He's but it's more that like there's this bit you know when the car's turning. Yeah. And he doesn't look scared at all. You know, he's, he's like, just, whoa, this is really cool. Oh, see, I, I thought they'd gone with that because um, he was supposed to be, he was like, oh, yes, I'm brave. So I, the car flips over, so I'm being brave. So oh, we're okay. on an adventure. I thought the kid just couldn't. It's possible that that was the <laughs> like, case. You, but you, there was, you're trying to get no... this kid to go, you're going yeah. to this kid, you know, look, act scared, act sad. And yeah. the, the car's flipping and he's, I don't know what he's actually doing in yeah. that scene, but he's just like, whoa, this is fun. Yeah, but because this movie likes to, won't show anything bad on screen. It means that anything good that happens doesn't have emotional weight. He never, we never see him actually confirm that he knows that his parents are dead. Like, no, we see him, we think they're dead. And then we think that Bryce Dallas Howard has found out that they're dead. She never tells him that. She never tell, like, there's no, that, that, there's none of that. But the, I don't, well, I mean, if she, you say she never tells him that, which I think is really strange because I'm like, why would she feel the need to tell him that his parents are dead if she thinks that, like, they died in the car crash? She thinks he knows they're dead. Be- well, no, he probably knows they're dead, but he's also a six-year-old boy who's been living in the wild. He's not six at this point. No, he's sorry, 10 he's, or sorry, he's a 10-year-old boy who's been living in the wild for six years is where I was going. He's also a little boy who's been living in the wild for all this time, and he can't. Ne- he doesn't necessarily remember his family or his name or anything. She, you would think at least. He remembers his name. He tells he doesn't know. He doesn't have a surname. Does he remember his parents' names? Does he remember well, birthday? Five-year-olds don't know their exactly. parents' names. Exactly. He doesn't know any of that stuff. So you would think that she would might have a conversation with him. I think this is your parents. Do you remember what you know? Yeah, that, that stuff that I never think should ever happen as well. Happens. But I don't think I don't. I I do think it's strange the concept that she should be telling him his parents are dead when, like, she the the reason she would tell him is because we've never had it confirmed for us. No, because the movie doesn't show any blood. Ever. Bit like he chases a rabbit and catches it and catches up with it and then a bear comes and then Elliot comes and saves him from the bear and the rabbit gets away or whatever. Which is too much like the wolf sequence. I, I think uh, they need it. They should have done more different things to establish the relationship between Elliot and Pete. Um, I think it was a bit too, like, they were relying on having the same things over and over again, yes. which is more and- my problem with the storytelling. I think a lot of the stuff that you want out of the movie is not something they're going to put in a kid's movie these days. I mean... And yeah, you're but there's no about- emotional weight to it. So kids, kids were bo- we were in this with kids. They were bored out of their brains until the last bit when yep. there was actually some action. I know, and I agree. But I think the movie was too boring as well. But I think the stuff that like they're not going to put a lot of this stuff in a kids movie. Whether or not they should is another matter. But they're not going to. And and you've got to try and find a better, more creative way around it. I think than this. But movie yeah. Did. So what I'm saying, I I was. That those so it is really sanitized, and I was just using those as two particular examples of how sanitized it is. But th- it, it means that everything is there. There is no emotional weight to things. See, I felt very emotional in a couple of moments. Right? There's moments where any any of those moments, but this is this is the thing. It's relying on tropes that already make me emotional anyway. Any of that stuff where like the animal gets hurt, and then the kid's upset that the animal is hurt, like you know he pete and elliot are all each other have so like any of that stuff makes me really upset it yep. always upsets me yep. and um, there's a particularly good scene too where elliot's been followed um Caleb and back to town and found um pete and then he goes back to his tree and falls asleep on his own and he's really sad yes that scene's done well that scene but also you know when when elliot is knocked out and pete is upset and things like that all of that sort of stuff will, you know, always emotionally compromise me. And then the scene where he's like, but I don't want to leave you made me upset. 
any of that sort of thing. It's, but that's the thing is that it's just kind of, mm. that's the same stuff that's always there. Also, by the way, this movie was also free willy. Um, that whole sequence where they're saving Elliot is a hundred percent free willy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also stuff like the danger that Elliot presents is actually more interestingly explored in the original movie from the twenties. Mm. Um, rather than this one, like he is much more kind of a, a menace to the town and they have to kind of keep him out of town in this one. It's not until that fire bit at the, at the end, um, which was really like cool, but then it's, it's stopped two seconds later. Yeah, you and know, there's no, the, but that, that sequence is the only bit of real danger in the whole thing. Like they make this whole big point about, uh, about well, there's a lot of danger Pete, to Elliot, Pete being the bravest boy anyone's ever met, but, the the danger just never actually feels very real at all. He gets out of things too easily. He f- he goes back into the woods and finds Elliot again too easily. There's no it doesn't well, have to work back at for home. him. Yeah, exactly. They go back home, finds Elliot. Elliot's a little bit sad, but everything gets made up, and we just we don't move even on. see that reunion. That really pissed me off. Well, I hate when they take away reunions from us, and I hate that in every movie that does. It. There was another movie that we saw, Star Trek, the most recent Star Trek. There was no <sighs> reunion between um Spock and Kirk. Yes, and because uh, really they, they they cut it for a Bones laugh. Yeah. I like reunions because reunions are our catharsis for all these moments before when we've been upset because our main characters have been separated. Yeah. That's what we need in a movie. You need that unless you're pulling it away for the emotional weight of pulling it away, right? So, like, if you're going to take not show us the reunion to add emotion to the movie that we don't get to see it, like, to try and – uh, frustrate us or to try and make us feel a certain way, then that's okay. But no, these movies aren't doing that. They're just doing it because, like, you know, they're doing this by the number storytelling where they're like for the laugh or for the other thing. And, but they're forgetting about the really important emotional beats of a story that we need to and like feel because we connect with the characters. Yeah. And Pete and Elliot's one of the few relationships that's actually done well in this thing. And even I don't think it's done brilliantly, but it's one of the, it's one of the few bits that actually had some weight. That's that scene is one of the few bits where I also thought that Pete and Natalie, having, Natalie, the little girl, yeah. had a great relationship. But they keep fo- trying to focus on Pete and Bryce Dallas and, Howard, and yeah. you're like, but but the relationship between the kids is much more yeah, interesting. And, and, <laughs> and Pete and Natalie, it's a it's a better kind of setup as well. Like I, I don't think they introduced the dragon very well. I don't think no no. I think Elliot that there's no like big hero shot. There's no sort of we do. They do. They try to do the thing of of not showing him and and ha- hearing him and all that stuff. But his big hero shot, where we first see him, is too dark mm-hmm. and too early on and too simple. There's no big mm-hmm. reveal of the dragon. Whereas you almost feel like that opening sequence could have been better in flashback. Yeah. Whereas Pete and Natalie get a full on proper meet cute. Mm. Like that, and it, and they do it well. They chase after each other, and they climb trees, and she's in danger, and he has to say, "Like it's a great meeting." Do you know what I really liked about that meet cute? Actually, is because I'm watching them climb the tree, going, "Oh my god, they're going up so high! Somebody's going to fall." This is, and in a lot of movies, that doesn't happen. But yeah. it's my overprotectiveness from working with kids. Yeah. And then I'm watching this one, and it happens. And you're like, "See, see, <laughs> that's what yeah. happens when and, you're not prepared, right?" And and all of its faults, Disney knows kids, right? Yeah, Disney properly understands what kids are like and it has actually a pretty good sense i would suggest from this movie a little of an overdeveloped sense of like keeping kids safe and also allowing them to explore and play yeah they may have done this movie in a particular way that's very bland and boring but they do understand how to get kids engaged and how to work with kids as well the thing that i really liked about that all the stuff with the kids in this movie is they had a really good understanding of where elliot was uh, elliot where Pete pete was developmentally 
Yes. Um, he is clearly like a 10 or 11 year old, but he behaves very much like a five year old still a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have his a lot reading of level, language and stuff. Right. Yeah. His reading level and his language haven't developed. His social skills are not very good. He's silent a lot of the time around people that he doesn't know, which is completely sort of accurate to what he would be like at that age. Mm. And with that, background and stuff I thought that was all really good I really liked that which is why the relationship between the kids is really interesting because you've got Natalie who is at the right stage developmentally for her age and Pete who is not and their interactions and her kind of trying to coach him along with that was really interesting and I I enjoyed that and I thought it would have been really cool to see Pete go to school and have to deal with kids who aren't going to be the same way as Natalie like I was Quite well, looking forward to that we, uh, stuff. The, the bit on the bus where the kid goes up to the back window where El, where El, where Pete is and pokes his tongue out, right? Yeah. That would have been having a kid as an antagonist, not just a kid who's like um, Natalie's kind of fascinated with him more than being an antagonist to him. But having having him having to deal with a kid who's an antagonist and other things like that, that sort of him learning a bit, a bit about being around other but kids. But the other kid was also then when I thought that was funny because he stuck his tongue out at Pete. But then Pete, when when Pete stuck his tongue out back, the kid was like, "Okay, we're cool." Yeah, I liked that. That was funny to me. Yeah, yeah, that was good too. Um, yeah, but those kind, yeah, I thought it would have been really interesting to see them actually go to school and ha- him having to interact and and like because that's you know when you have these like feral kid stories, mm. that's the most interesting thing, right? Yeah, them trying to integrate into normal society and like I was talking about earlier, they ask all the questions that we never ask about the way we live and things we do and why we do things, right? And it would have been really interesting and it would have been really like that could have had a lot of emotional weight and then Elliot comes to the school or something like that rather than what they did. I just feel like there's all these ways that this movie could have gone and it went instead in this kind of very dull direction Mm. like that didn't – there were all these things. But I also think that I thought most of the actors in this were doing a really good job and I felt the connections because the actors were doing a good job Mm. rather than because the script was – I yes. thought that because I thought and, and the little boy, uh, Oaks Fegley, um, was, you know, he was not as good, I don't think, as the little boy in uh, Jungle Book. No. But he was uh, he was pretty good and he did the feral thing quite well. Mm. Um, and he but he also like his little connections with Natalie and with Bryce Dallas Howard were quite good. I don't know why mm. they didn't even try to have good connections because there was this really sweet bit when uh, he was reading the book. Mm. Which also I liked in the book that the family was black. That made me happy. Mm. Um, but when when the uh, when where's Bentley's reading the book? Seneca to the kids. Crane. I was about to call him. Where yep. Bentley's reading the book to the kids. There's a bit where Elliot says, "That's not how I tell it." And he goes, "Do you want to stop?" And it, there's this kind of Wes Bentley. I feel like is quite similar to Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie, and that you you get the feeling that he's quite he's really good with kids. He's really yeah. caring and he's really sweet. But because of that gender thing that I was talking about before, it seems to not want to go there. Mm. And then. Like, he's allowed to hug his daughter, but not Pete. Yeah. So you don't really get much of a sense of the the relationship between Pete's new dad and Pete, which yeah. is a really weird thing to do again. Yeah. Well, it's kind of that um, squeamishness about dad, about men being good with kids and men being on their own with kids. Like, which is also it's why like, I it's think sort it's- of seemed as perfectly normal if a woman finds some stray children and takes care of them. But if a man does the same thing, it's seen as weird. But th- that's also the thing with um, why it was so interesting with the. Carl Urban stuff where like Carl Urban keep um mm. Gavin keeps protecting Pete, you know, well, but that's they a don't more traditional do gender role. It. But also, yeah, they never make it, he, he, anything of it because and and the thing is that character's interesting because of that. Yes. He's not a bad guy. The the thing when when they're trying to get 
um, Elliot, right? And he doesn't actually understand what's going on at this point. Mm. Gavin does not know that Elliot is Pete's friend. He doesn't know about a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah. So he's trying to catch Elliot and he goes, get these kids out of here. His first thought. And also when Pete goes back, he's like, when Jack goes back into town, he's like, well, let me know how Pete's going. He seems to really be, he's more invested in how Pete is than Wes Bentley is in most of this movie. And then when the, um, when Elliot goes up, you know, he falls, Gavin, Gavin is actually like, holding on to Pete, covering him and moves him out of the way so that he doesn't so get he doesn't hurt. get hit by a tree. Yeah. There's some really interesting stuff in that that I again, you're right. Wes Bentley, take Wes Bentley out, put Gavin in that role, and then you've got this kind of push pull between Gavin's protectiveness of Pete and caring for him with his desire to be on the map and to be famous and to have money mm. and to because clearly what's going on there is that he feels like their little business is not going well enough yeah. and he and wants something that's going to boost their business, that's going to make him successful and he's stuck in this kind of and, – and Jack isn't interested and, in that. Well, see, there's another like story that's not got no place in a kid's movie, although I did watch a, a, the Rock movie about it a little while ago, where like towns that are re- relied on sort of heavy industry – then the industries are dying and mm. you've got to like do something to kind of keep the town alive and keep what do you what happens when the one industry in town starts to to fail and yeah full monty yeah <laughs> but there are well there actually are kids movies where they've dealt with that stuff as well yeah. but it's but again it's a very good 80s cars does that it's a good 80s concept as well because in the the 80s is where that all happened because in the western capitalist countries that's where we started to like outsource everything and and that kind of work became less and less valuable and all that kind of thing and then all these little towns where there was some kind of mining like be it trees or coal or whatever started to die and so mm. that's an interesting story but anyway i'm also yeah. i'm now really enjoying the movie that i'm writing in my head where like uh-huh. that, that that has that kind of totally separate Wes Bentley's not even in it and it's because I feel like Carl Urban because he's a really good actor yeah could really really kill that role where he's like trying to you know that that kind of tension in one of the main characters could be really interesting mm. that would have been really interesting to explore where he's both trying to be a good parent and protective and and having that nurturing side but also like really desperate to be on the map and stuff yeah. and, and using this creature and not realizing that it's something that should be protected, you know? Yeah. Especially as somebody who's, who's already like using resources of the, as a logger, um, yeah. of the forest is, could be, that could be great. That's a great movie. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, is not in this one. Especially who lives with, um, the ranger, the park ranger. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be great. And but they don't even live together in this movie, by the way. She lives with her dad. <laughs> Oh, she doesn't live with Wes Bentley, which was so weird. Oh, I didn't work that out. It's like they're trying really hard not to imply that they're having sex. They don't even yeah. live oh, together. They, never, they, they barely even touch one another. There's a scene at the end where he's carrying the daughter and he puts his arm around her and they walk really awkward slowly into the house. It's so chaste as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's I not really, really explained. Funny. It's not actually really explained, is it? Like that, that, that she lives with her dad in another part of town, but it is obvious from the fact that they have to go and pick him up on the way out of town. But also there's stuff like um, Natalie says, you're going to my house instead of um, yeah. her saying we, you're going to our house and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, mm. um, that she doesn't live with yeah. this man that she's going to marry really soon and whose daughter she clearly has a great relationship with. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but the, there's a whole other movie in in there that's so much 
more interesting and so much better that I'm really interested in. Yeah, the, and you could make and, it, and and if you wanted to make a more edgy '80s style kids movie, have stuff about them living together and the kids having been told that living together is wrong and blah blah. blah. Like, have that in there. Well, anyway. in the 80s, it would have been she's a working woman, therefore yeah. she's a bad mother. <laughs> um, that's what they – like, watch war games, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what are you going to give Pete's Dragon? Oh, gosh. I feel – I kind of – like, it's not great, but I kind of want to give it at least two because it is trying. And mm. there's a lot of people who – like, they're and the actors, despite some of the terrible material, really give it a go. And some of the scenery, I think, thanks it's to New so Zealand, pretty. is beautiful. God, the movie is so pretty. Like, I don't think – I mean, the the dragon looks so good and the the and so interacts so naturally with the surroundings as well. And it's so, like, all the forest stuff is really beautiful. Yeah. And the little um, boy, like, considering that he would have done most of his acting with, like, a, a puppet, he does a really good job. Yeah. But it is really – it's a really pretty movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, two see, stars, I think. I know why they kept doing all the stuff that they were doing with the mm. long shots because it just – they've got this gorgeous kind of yeah. scenery that they're filming in and it's like you mm. see just watching Elliot move through the scenery is more interesting than a lot of the scripts they actually wrote. Yeah. You almost feel like the director was given this terrible script and made the best movie he could out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm just checking to see if the director doesn't have a writing credit. Okay. He does have a writing credit. Well, then that's not what happened. But it feels like that's what happened to me. Well, it's, it seems to be what happened with the actors, too. They and, were given this script. And I mean, the script is the pretty thing. spare anyway. Like, yeah. It's very padded. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it two stars as well. Yeah, cool. All right. Shall I wrap up? Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Pete's Dragon or all the other movies she watches, find them on her blog, Silver Screen Queen. Dot wordpress.com and if you want to find us on social media we're at screen underscore queens on twitter tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr and facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens thank you for listening bye see you next time